always remember that in marketing, like who came up with the idea. It might have been a pure good internal right. employee resource group idea that the company went somewhere yeah. else with. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, we shouldn't market off of off of um, any of the groups unless we're marketing and giving it back. Right. So yes. this is where all challenges. Yes, I love that. Intent yes. versus impact. We right. talk a lot yeah. about that. Right. Yep. And to your point, it was the marketing person, and and uh, I know, I know. This frustrates Nick and I, because yep. I and I know it really frustrates Nick. Trust me. Yeah. But I understand where he's coming from, and I know part of. But he, we do realize that there's intent versus impact, right? Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there, and we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity, our differences, when joined together by a common set of ideals makes us strong. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close-to-home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. What's happening? What's happening? world? We're back for another episode of Top Ranks Breaking Barriers. We are coming at you with our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, as well as our silver sponsor, PG Care. So thank you so much for your support. I'm your co-host, Anthony Arrington. Got my homeboy right here, Nick Ford, my other guests here. And man, we are excited about our guests today. So we are going to get started. We're going to have some real conversation today. So, uh, Nick, who, who's, our, who's our friend here? Who All the way from Des Moines, Iowa, we have Heather Schott. So I'm going to read your bio, you know, try not to embarrass you too much here. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Heather Schott has a brand and leadership style founded in problem solving, influence, innovation, disruption. Keep that disruption word in mind. We're going to talk about that a lot today. She received her undergraduate degrees in mathematics and business from Morningside College up in Sioux City. Over her career, she has held a variety of roles in IT, HR, and actuarial functions. That's that math part. <laughs> kind of a geek. Yep, yep. I'm with you on that. So, Heather completed a diversity inclusion leader certification with the conference board as she began leading a Fortune 500 diversity inclusion program. In October of 2020, she joined the Krauss Group to embed diversity, equity, inclusion lenses across all of their organizations located in the U.S. and Italy. Oh, I didn't realize they are in Italy, too. Interesting. Interesting. We can talk some football on a little bit. Oh, mm-hmm. There we go. Real football. Real yeah. football? Real football. Round football. <laughs> Round football. Uh, Heather is a proud Kaya, or mom, with two great kids, 10 and 18 years at home. She and her partner, Aaron, live in West Des Moines, where Heather serves on the West Des Moines Chamber DEI board. She is also on the CS News Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Board and on the Inclusion Council with the Greater Des Moines partnership welcome heather we're excited to have you today and we're gonna have some great discussions i'm excited to be here love it love it love it well let's get into it we were stalking you yeah Uh-oh. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah uh do try a little background we we you know you and i've known each other a while and really appreciate you, sh- you showing up and hanging out with us today um when you started at kraus i was reading a little article from uh, and i want to quote it from ct stores and in the interview uh they were asking your opinion and is it important for companies to have DEI inclusion managers or a comparable position. And I loved what you said. You said uh, in order to recognize that the work is needed to stay relevant in business, that's why we need it. But the secret is that a DEI manager doesn't 
do the work alone. It's our job to help find the root causes, the root causes, and then drive development that all employees can utilize in building the right culture and inclusion. Nick and I salivate when we hear the words root cause. We are, we are very root cause driven and it's what we do. And so I wanted to, you'd expand on what you meant by that when you were thinking about what do you mean when you say root causes? Yeah, we'll dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. When I started at Krell's group, sitting down with my leadership team, and we're having a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion and the strategy that we've laid out. And I looked at our talent, um, talent development leader, and I said to her, you know, the interesting thing about this is um, I'm not going to do the work. Your team's really going to drive it. And she was pretty surprised when I said that later on. We've had some, going. Yeah, really big. Like, oh, geez, who did we just add to this team? Someone who's not going to do the work. Um, and it's for the reason of sustainability, right? That a DEI manager is going to come in, disrupt thinking, um, going to challenge how we've always done things, right? Going to mm-hmm. build the right types of skills and then going to rely on the people that are already doing work within the organization to embed DEI, right? And one of the easiest ways for organizations to do this work, to really have this work show up every single day is to put it into all of your training development or your training and development programs. So whether it's orientation, it's it's your leadership essentials, whatever it is that you're building out, uh, we need to build the skills for diversity, equity, and inclusion within that. Um, so the first thing that I did at Krauss Group, and the first thing that, that I think any DEI leader should do is get a really strong partnership with that talent development team mm-hmm. and then watch others do it. The other side of it, too, is that we can sit in the corporate office and we can talk about all these grandiose scans of, you know, here's what DEI is going to do. But if that doesn't show up day to day in the culture, if that doesn't show up mm-hmm. in every interaction, no one's really going to believe you. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's going to be performative versus really changing that culture and driving things forward. Right. When you're thinking about root cause, though, when you so when you when you say we're looking for root issues, yeah. what are some examples because I think organizations sometimes think that they're solving problems through training. Sure. Or they're sure. solving problems through surveys or they're solving problems through a number of other initiatives. But the problems continue year in and year out, no matter how often they train or how often they, they survey. Um, and so our belief is they never get to the root cause. Right. And so what are some examples of how you've kind of, of some root causes maybe you've uncovered or how yeah. you've figured that? So let's just talk about... Um, one of the organizations that we have within Cross Group, and that's Come and Go, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's an organization where everyone can start working at a young yeah, age. Come and Go has good pizza, Egg. by the way. Great pizza, <laughs> great food. We're getting healthier, too. Shout so, out to David Sykes. So, yeah. awesome. Check that out. Um, but, yeah, this is an organization where everyone has the chance to start, right, um, within within the convenience retail. So think about, you know, your, your, your frontline jobs. Um, but everyone doesn't necessarily grow up through the organization in the same way, right? Whether we go to college, we don't go to college, whatever. Uh, what I love about our organization is, is that you can grow your leadership. But what you see across the country, so this isn't um, just come and go, but this is a root cause, is that you don't see folks joining and growing at the same level. And what I mean by that is your dimensions of diversity, right? We do a pretty good job uh, across that industry of, of seeing women in leadership, but we see uh, our numbers drop off from people of color, from black people, from Hispanic individuals, from Asian individuals, right, falling off, even out lesbians like myself, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't necessarily yep. grow up through leadership in the same way. And so we've got to ask ourselves why. 
Because at some point in time, there's a root cause, there's an investment in humans, right, in, in each other, and in, in seeing somebody as a leader before they ever have had that experience. And so who are we choosing to mentor? Who are we choosing to invest in? How are we choosing to, to bring leaderships into the organization? Those are root causes, in my opinion, of why we're not seeing people um, in leadership, right? Uh, and that has, you know, that's a, this is a, you know, an idea that will, will get change over time, mm-hmm. over 20 years, over whatever period of time it is to grow people into uh, that leadership, senior leadership. Right. But it's something that we can do right now as an organization differently. Mm-hmm. We can start to invest in, we can start to show leadership in a different way. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one really small mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah. uh, so let's talk about that even more, right? Yeah. Let's talk about your identity. Yeah. So here we are in Iowa. One of the first states, if not the first state, to legalize gay marriage, correct? One of, not one of, not one, of, first, one, of yeah. one of. We were we were early. And now think about what's happening now. And you see articles like, "Are we becoming Florida North?" or all the LGBTQIA plus st- anti stuff going through, you know, our state legislator. How, as an out lesbian, do you deal with that? I mean, what makes you not say, "Okay, we're moving"? Or, yeah. I mean, I know even in the DEI space, sometimes we're like, eh, Canada doesn't look too bad these days. Right. Um, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Those sway of emotions. And- right. And it is a sway of emotion. So, um, number one, I get real with it. So, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, during this last kind of funnel process, um, it was really hard to be me in, in Iowa, right? And so what I mean by me is I'm a gender non-conforming female, so I use mm-hmm. pronouns of she and hers, but I, in, I wear a tie because that's how I'm comfortable. If you right. put me in a dress, I'd feel like I was in drag, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with drag. No, just that's just not you. I just not wouldn't you. be comfortable, right. right? So if we dig into that. So, so when you, you think about or you ask me the question of why I stay and, and what it's like to be here, I stay because I know we can do better, right? Um, I did grow up in Minnesota, and I chose to come here in 97. Here's my funny story. If you want to stalk me, I moved to Iowa because I thought nobody was gay, and I thought I could just go to college down here, and that would go away, right? (laughs) So we can dig into that a little bit. But why I stay is because I was here for the good years, right? I was here when um, we did. We were one of the first, you know, states to allow gay marriage. Um, I actually uh, adopted my children in the state, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I also uh, ended a relationship and had to go through the custody uh, battle um, in the state. And, you know, part of the driving force of why I'm in DEI is because I had to fight up through the Iowa Supreme Court to uphold those adoptions, right? A story I don't talk very publicly about very Mm -hmm. often, but that's a big part of my why. So why I stay is I believe we're better than this, and I believe um, our judicial systems will help us as we go through this next phase, whatever that yeah. might be. Um, I also am not giving up on, on us coming together as citizens, um, organizing our businesses to stand up, right, and um, help people understand how, you know, we're not enemies of each other, mm-hmm. but what's the enemy of us is this intolerance or this idea that we need to have power over others and decide over others what they do with themselves. So why I stay is because I can't quit fighting, right? Which um, we love. Yeah, 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 I'm not ready to go yet. Yeah, but I don't think this is our only fight, either. No, right in the DEI space, like no, you know, it's as, as a disruptor. I want to grab arms with everyone and say, if we if 
we fought together, think what we could do, think what we could overcome. It's, it's interesting you say that. I'm glad that you brought that up because where I was just about to go was, you know, you're right. It's not the only fight because here you're sitting next to this black man who has to have right. a similar fight about an under another underrepresented group of humans. Right. But as I was sitting there and, and then you, you switched and you made me think of something else because you said, how come we can't all hold hands together and there's power in numbers. And I, and I, uh, have noticed myself becoming more active in the LGBTQ community. I don't even know why. Well, I just you. felt that yeah. I got asked to help. I felt I was obligated. And it wasn't because I do things as because I'm a DEI professional. Because I felt it was the right thing to do. And I know my partner, Nick, you know, uh, understands that personally. He's got lived experience uh, that that he can talk about in his world, and so we we well sort of family sort of. members and friends, <laughs> yeah. friends, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. uh, 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 I'll I'll tell Nick's story if he doesn't want to tell it about a, a, a gentleman he took in a young high school student yeah. who's an L, of the LGBT <laughs> community who went to high school with our kids. This kids could have been destroyed. Yeah, Nick's family took him in. Yeah. People don't do that. Like those are, and that was before we were even DEI professionals, yeah. um, because it's just the right thing to do. So. You know, something you said about that power in numbers, if people are listening, that's the that's the key. How can we lock arms? Because you can't stop the swell. Right. Right. You think about most movements, they've always started with numbers. Right. And none of us are one-dimensional. Right. Right? So none of us um, can com- can claim only one, but one battle is important or one side of this battle is important. Right. Right? Yeah. So, you know, what you can't read off my bio is my youngest son is black. Right? Mm-hmm. And so... I'm fighting as a mom of a black man, right? right? Of, of a someday black man. He's yeah. a young man right now, right? And I want to make sure that this world in every state that he exists in, right, is right. going to treat him fairly. Yep. And so he doesn't have to go through those experiences. Yeah. You know, I remember my experience being a farm kid, um, struggling with who I was, trying to fit in with a very loving family, right? Yeah. Um, and, and they were doing the right things. They were doing the things they thought were right. We'll say that. Right, sending messages, um, kind of in that church experience, just hearing those messages, and I had to learn to get through that. Right, mm-hmm. I had to learn to love myself, even yeah. though I wasn't ever going to fit in. Right, you know, so, it's funny. It reminds me. So, good friends of ours, they have a daughter who's an out lesbian, and uh, it's funny. I still remember him telling us we we camp a lot with them. And he's like, "Yeah," and this is the greatest answer I ever heard ever. He's like, "Yep," Kaylee said. Uh, Hey, Dad, I like women. And he goes, yeah, me too. End of discussion. Awesome. I'm like, wow. I was like, man, that <laughs> is it. like the most awesome thing ever, right? That is powerful. And it's just, yeah. I mean, but you see families like the one we took in, and his parents kicked him out, his mom kicked him out. Yeah. How do we, you know, you talk about the unity of all the groups. I remember the first thing that shocked me ever of dealing with the community is, is we, I think we saw, we did a, we did a survey somewhere, one of, one of the groups we did early on in our, in our DI journey. And... There was a lot of battling within the LGBTQIA plus sure. environment, particularly between two groups. Is that still kind of happening, or is it? Are you? Are we seeing more unity where everyone's getting more together and and embracing the challenge and, and fighting the challenge? Yeah, I don't know if I could ever speak for the whole community, uh, but I do yep. think we're getting better, okay. right? And I do think you know, even looking at the acronyms, um, knowing that I'm in my, you know. Late forties, keeping um, <laughs> up with acronyms <laughs> is a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you think about where we started. Um, if if you really want to go back and think about where Pride started, it started 
with. Um, we had drag queens, black drag queens out in front, yes. really, mm-hmm. of driving this. So transgender individuals or, or folks probably wanting to be transgender yeah. individuals leading this fight. And yeah. then all of a sudden we had some social acceptance and we kind of hid those folks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and to your point, like we got to figure out how to get through that because everyone is a human. And, and in fact, I think... You know, if we can pause and even think about what's happening across the states right now and what this push is, if, if people could stop and actually talk to a kid who's struggling with gender identity for a few minutes, yeah, right? Your job at that point is not to convince this kid of of their, something they're doing wrong. It's to hear them, it's to listen to them like right. you did likely with this high school student, right? You're struggling with this as a human being. You know the world is giving you all these signals of these social constructs, these made up constructs, right? Um, and they're pushing them on you and you're realizing I don't fit with this. And if I don't fit with this, who's going to love me? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. if you, if you really want to dig into it, like I think one of you shared earlier, like we, we got to love each other mm-hmm. first. Right? Absolutely. And I'm not a lovey dovey person. That's not my personality, <laughs> right. but, but we have to love each other and see each other as humans. Well, and I think there's a time to lovey dovey and I think there's a time to do what Heather likes to do and that's fight when you yeah. have to. Um, you know, you, you pick up the gloves and you fight when you have to, and you love when you have to. And I think there's a way to do that. Well, I, I really liked what she said too, about, you know, the listening part. We talk a lot about, there's two ways to listen. Mm-hmm. There's listen to understand and there's listen to respond. And I think we need to really shift people more to that. Listen to understand. Right. And not that listen to respond, especially people that are for whatever reason, whether it's religious or their background, how they're raised, they think that one way. We got to get them to be convinced that that's okay to think that way. Right. But also think that way. Awesome. And yeah. and I just think that if we can make that transition, I think that'll yeah. go a long way. Yeah. It's, it's the why, right? It's, the it's why. all about the why. Well, on that note, great segue, because one of the things I think you said is that what you love to do as a disruptor is think differently about how you approach how to educate others. So what are you doing differently? How can, how can, how yeah. can we help you? And what are you doing differently? You know, I think that the most important thing we can do is start having civil dialogue, right? right. And so... You know, you all know me and you know that I'm here for the fight. But the reality is when I sit down with folks, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not really fighting with them. I'm yeah. trying to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm going back to something Donna Redwing, who's, you know, one of one of the heroes or sheroes that I've met in mm-hmm. my life. Um, she's passed, but mm-hmm. um, she worked with with me on a project um, years ago to really set up um, civil dialogue in a in a tool. So this will sound goofy, but we set parameters of behavioral expectations at the beginning of DEI conversations. So we set those parameters to say we're going to listen more than we talk, right? We're going to uh, lean into the discomfort and understand that in order for us to learn and grow, we have to admit we don't know everything. We're going to get hard on the problems, not on the people. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Get hard on that problem that we're trying to solve. Get to those root causes. Start talking about why, you know, something is the way it is. Right. And then help people along, help them connect the dots, Mm -hmm. save that space for grace Mm -hmm. because we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. We all can't see every perspective as a DEI leader. The most important thing for me to do when I talk to people is help them understand. I don't have every answer Mm -hmm. nor should I. Yeah. Right. Because I don't live every experience. Sure. And then the last piece that I ask people to do when we, we meet with them, and this is, I think, our differentiator, is that we agree we're going to become allies for each other mm-hmm. and actively and intentionally look for ways to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. Cool. Right. 
I want to get your thoughts on this because I would take Nick and I would take a different approach. Yeah. Not doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's hey, just different. Disrupt. A little bit of a different approach, right? I used to be a big believer in rules of engagement, right? Before you speak, we're going to, you know, here's the bathrooms down the hall. If you need to get a coffee, you know, but uh, we're going to speak respectfully. We're going to have these difficult conversations. Mo- most of what you just said. And then I began to realize through my facilitation work and learning about trying to be a better facilitator and trying to let people be their authentic selves. I was taught and I began to believe that why, why do I, why should I set rules? I don't want to, I don't want a room to ever be unsafe where you're going to attack somebody. Right? right. But if I say to you, if I say, if I want a room full of people who I'm trying to seek to understand some who may not even agree with this DEI concept or whatever we're doing, do I alienate them if I say this room's going to be about difficult conversations and we're going to be respectful to each other and we're not going to raise our voices and ABCD? Have I shut down the person who maybe does have an animated voice and an animated yeah. tone? Maybe they have been per- perceived as the complainer in the company or the anti, but they probably have something good to say because I need to understand why they don't buy in. Do I shut them down? Or do I minimize their ability to communicate because I've told them this is these are the rules, and so they don't feel they fit into those rules? I can't come in there and be myself, so I'm not going to say nothing because as soon as I talk, I'm going to be accused of being the complainer again in here. What do you think about that? That's kind of what yeah. I, would, I would just add into that. You know, who are we to define what's safe for someone? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, these are all great points. Um, and yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. I just wondered. Yeah, it's a different. I but, just wonder what you thought. Yeah. yeah, you know, I would love. You know, I'd love to come into spaces where we can leave things unresolved, mm-hmm. right, and still be good coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'd handle maybe an external conversation a little differently than an internal, mm-hmm. right? So right. thinking about from a business perspective, mm-hmm. most of what, what I'm doing right now is internal to business. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to probably set behavioral expectations right. for my own safety of helping folks still work together, yeah. right, and, yeah. and still be productive. But I totally... And pausing and thinking about this is this is a great disruptive thought. Yeah. Right. And yeah. maybe, maybe that's um, causing people to stay quiet. Yeah. Well, we like found it. you know it's it was um, you know for Nick and I it was a light bulb that kind of went off. Yeah. You know when we were going through our facilitation certification a couple of year a year ago, and it was something that we had we never really thought of it that way. We just right. hadn't really considered that. Right. And I think about that myself. I think about my 20 year old self, when I had dreadlocks, you know, I tried to have dreadlocks (laughs) and I think about coming to work and I think about being stared and I think about things that I tried to do that were performative and because I didn't want to disrupt and I should have never had to worry about that. Right. I should have never had to worry about whether I wear a tie to work. I should have never had to worry about my tone of voice or I should never have had to worry about whether I love Tupac and I want to talk about it at the office. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of where that mindset came from. So just kind of wonder what but you But I thought. also can see, you know, what you're saying. It's different when you're internal and you're yeah. working for the same organization. Sure. Yeah. We come in as a third party, exactly. but yeah. it's, it's easier for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. You also got to protect yourself. We're not protecting ourselves. There's no, we don't need that. You, you do if you're internal to the organization. So that's an interesting point too. So, um, you know, go the, ahead. the yeah. coolest thing with the EI is that you can have multiple valid. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, if we could figure out civil dialogue and that, that someone can come at a problem from a different spot, we mm-hmm. both can be right. Is that called diversity? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that what they call that? Yeah. Maybe we should try that. We want the end result to be the same. <laughs> yeah. Do we? So, 
Uh, well, <laughs> we do. We, the three of us, I think, do. I'm not sure about everyone yeah. else out there, but that's true. So, all right. So here's an interesting question. So, uh, I, at one point, I was on the uh, Iowa swimming the, the board okay. as the diversity chair, and I went to a conference, and they had an individual from Michigan who who was binary, okay. but was forced to swim on the women's team until she graduated. So she talked about it. This is the first time in my life I had heard they, them. Yep. All right. So I was like, okay, I'm trying to understand all this. And, you know, the pronoun thing can get tricky a little bit. And and so then a couple of years ago we had the, the big up in arms about the female, male, which one are they, you know, where they where they identify in Harvard. Yeah. As a lived experiencer in the spectrum, I call it the spectrum of differences there, um, because it's just like people of color. There's, it's hard to isolate any sure. one into that group. How do you feel about that? What, what are your thoughts on on athletics and and sexual identity and issues like that? Yeah, so so this is a hot topic for yeah. me, you can imagine. We go there here. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 just, and they just, just, re, just reevaluated how they do things again. And right, so. right. So if we think about it, and, and actually if you truly look at science, right, and you look at um, the chemical balance between men and women or the perceived chemical balance in, in this definition, what you're going to find is in nature, there's just a variance in a spectrum, right. right? And so there is no one set rule, right? You also have intersex individuals that they totally just throw out the window and not understanding that just because you see an external body part, right, right. doesn't mean mm-hmm. that internally that's how we're made up. Right. Mean we have the right you know, the chemicals that you would assume align. And so if you really dig into that, you'll, you'll see that people are all on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. We also, when you think about athletics, cause this is really where this comes in, you know, there's this idea that um, women can't compete against men or, or whatever. Um, I also wonder like, what about height? Right. What about weight? Mm-hmm. What about muscle structure? So I grew up on a farm and I was out, you know, throwing bales and, and shoveling bins and, I, th- I think my brothers figured out really young, if they just said girls can't do that, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yep. So so based on that, my body was a little bit tougher right. right, than most of the women. I wasn't in the weight room. I didn't mm-hmm. have access to it. What, what we don't understand either is that we don't y- take our young female athletes and say, here's a, here's a weight room until you get to college. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have access to that. Right. So what if we did? Right. Would they be stronger? Mm-hmm. Right. And so when somebody comes up against me in a – in a sporting activity or the younger version of me that was a little lighter and a whole lot stronger, you know, you could say that it wasn't fair. So what's the line there? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I haven't, I haven't seen a situation where I haven't wanted to compete against somebody to prove that I'm a little better. I'm super competitive. I played softball. That was my sport, even though I'm going to talk to you probably more about soccer now today (laughs) to know me. But um, I believe that we've got to rethink how we're coming at this, right? Yep. And I'm not saying, by the way, we should have sports teams based on height. I'm saying get over it, folks, <laughs> right? Some of us women are a lot stronger than some of the other women. Mm-hmm. And guys, you're dealing with this too all the time. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to stop tall men from playing basketball because they're too tall because the genetics worked out that way for them? And so the short guys don't get a chance. Sometimes the short guys prove us wrong. Bugsy bogues. Right. right. Okay. Right. Yep. So, so what I'm saying in this is that we're all, we're all human. We're all natural. Right. right. And folks may transition, but that just gives me a little more competition. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. Right. Like, you know, dig into it. There are, and there always have been rules around this. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And we, we've had individuals that are transgender or somewhere different on the binary scale all along. Right. We're just, for whatever reason right now, hyper worried that, that this, um, that individual. Does, does it seem like there's more of a concern from women? No. In that? Well, like, for example, the, well, the individual now in Harvard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, now she's, she's taken the spot, top spot away from another woman. Yeah. I, it just seems like it, for what, I, what I see of it, it almost seems like that's more of an issue even than anything who's, else. Who's complaining about it? That's what I'm saying. You, well, that's true, too. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? I, I just, it, it just seems like they're, they're the ones that seem – the, the women that are, are competing, and you see it within intersex, too. I mean, right. you know, when, when my son opened a role at one high school and he took someone's spot as a swimmer because he was a better swimmer. Right. And – you start seeing that. And that, those are the people that complain. They're having their spots removed. And in my mind is, like, like you said, I mean, competition is competition. The better you make it. I mean, we had Katie mm-hmm. Abrahamson, who coaches the Georgia team recently against Iowa. She, she went to high school. I mean, she was year ahead of me. She played with us, too. Yeah. And it definitely held her own. Right. Um, you know, it just seems like there's – and maybe it's some of the stuff driving the politics, too. There's just so much of a fear it all seems fear-driven somehow. Yeah, I agree. Often fear-driven. Or, or, or even like when you think about, you know, talking about equal rights to other groups, it's like, well, that means I'm going to lose something. How yeah. do we get past that? How do we get past that, that it's not even about the individual, it's about your own fear or your own worries, and it's not even, in many cases, rational. Right. How do we get past that? So lots of loaded questions in there. Yeah, Nick, you loaded <laughs> <Right>? up. You, <laughs> you loaded up. Hey, so, I, I was ready for this one. That's yeah. like, yeah. So you know, I want to probably jump jump around, but That's right. but bring That's it back too, so. if I if I miss any. So how do we get past the fact that, um, you know, if I share, right, or if we give people access to jobs, right, or whatever it is to money to to success, then we're going to lose some. So why do we think that there's only a fixed amount of anything? Right. And so when you give people access, right, whether it's sports, whether it's, um, you know, money, whether it's jobs, uh, education, the only thing that they're going to do is produce and and add more performance. Right. And so we're going to grow. And if you give people access to take care of themselves, right, all of us access to take care of ourselves, then the whole society benefits because they're not going to draw on shared resources. Right. Right. And so if you, you, you know, you talk about these kids that, that don't have homes, you took a, a yep. kid in, this is so awesome. But when you grow up without that stable support, how do you know what next steps are? Right. Right. And so how do they not draw against, you know, resources, community resources in those situations? If instead we empower them, we love them, we got them to their greater success, whatever that is. Right. Right. Then they're able to do for themselves. And are we all better off then? Right. We're, we're absolutely, <laughs> I mean, right? Well, that's, say, that's Joe, you, you, you tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Right. But you don't want their bootstraps to be as high as yours. Yeah. Right. Or well, you're there with scissors cutting the bootstraps. I think about this very simple terms. If, if, if everybody was su- successful or from an economic standpoint, if you think about this, if, if everybody could make more money or whatever you want to call it, or have more success – and the millionaires can still be millionaires and the billionaires can still be billionaires. But, but these people that are more successful then take their money and buy your stuff. Right. Right. So it becomes a circular reference. If, if everybody rises, everybody's purchasing. I mean, I'm not a finance guy, but that's some pretty basic stuff, right? right. If I have money, yes. I'm going to come buy your stuff. Right. 
if you keep paying me more money, I'm going to keep buying more of your stuff. Like that's common sense. And I, it's kind of blows me away that we don't think about things that way because it's always somebody's taking something away. Right. What am I taking from you, Nick? Did I take something from you? <laughs> Bought my truck for me. I was happy. They took that off my hands. Nice. Good job. So, so let's to go back to that. Like, you know, if, if we've got transgender individuals participating in sports, what are we taking? Right? Why did we assume that those trophies belonged to, belonged to the individuals that think that they got robbed from it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, give me competition. Give me resources so I can develop myself to be competitive. We've been saying this in women's athletics for years. Like, right. give us resources. Pay attention. Like, Caitlin Clark is blowing it up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so proud to see this happen, but... You have to have the resources to create right. that level of competition. Yeah. Glad you slipped that one in. Go Hawks, yeah. by the way. Go Hawks. And uh, that Caitlin, the Iowa-South Carolina or game, I, or what was it, the Iowa game that garnered more? The last game. Uh, the more last than game. any NBA game this more year. More than any NBA game this, that night. They had so, two, and a half million, two and a half million viewers, and the top NBA was like 2.1. I told my wife that yesterday. She's like, wow, that's that's just crazy. Yeah. It's wild, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's in insane. college. Absolutely. college. Friday Absolutely. night's going to be even better. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I, you know, we could talk all day long. And what's important to us is that we do talk as long as you want. So as we kind of wrap up, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to say whatever's on your mind to make sure is there something we have not talked about that matters to you. So we want to give the floor to you. Is there anything you want to talk about or any any message for our audience um, that we can leave them with or what else you want to chat about? Yeah, I guess, you know, the one thing I would... I'd throw out there is to challenge people. Like, you know, if, if something made you uncomfortable in what we said today, dig into it. Mm-hmm. Right. If it, if it made you uncomfortable enough that you think, wow, they must have a different perspective instead of going to that rock brains side. Right. That's my, my son uses that term. Go to that growth I mindset. Like how can you Google, how can you learn a new perspective? Yep. Right. Um, and challenge us. Right. Yeah. None of us have all of the answers. But none of us also then have all the answers. Right. So those that are making decisions, like, listen, right? Yeah, listen to each other. Spend more time listening. Than yeah. I, I take it back to you more simply. If we all had that mindset our entire lives, we'd still be right. crawling around on the carpet playing with toys, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they are. I mean, uncomfortable well, is okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like asking questions. Asking is okay questions too, is okay. Right? It's okay to ask questions and it's okay to say, I don't understand or I don't get it or I don't like that. Help me understand. Like, you know, we, we, we say this all the time. See, the show's not over. We're still talking. Good. Um, we say this all the time. When we were kids, you know, when you hit that two years old age, what were you doing? You're, why, why? When you started to learn to ask questions, kids were just curious. They're sponges. Why, why? What conditioned humans to stop asking each other questions? It was other humans right. that wanted power that shut down the ability to communicate. And so on that note, as you think about your role as a leader, you have to take some of, I like to call them the proverbial arrows when you challenge authority, when you challenge leaders. How does that work for you as a Krauss leader now? Because you've got to take arrows from people who don't agree with your concept, not you personally, but don't right. agree with DEI as a concept to even talk about. How do you deal with that as a leader? Yeah. Help our other leaders understand that. You know, it's, it's hard um, in that perspective, but also it's, it's hard to sit quietly and watch the world continue mm-hmm. to go where, where it is going. So you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of our organization for taking a verbal, you know, stance, right? So we've said we're committed to DEI. 
There are so many companies that commit to DEI that are rainbowing up their logos that are getting oh, yeah. ready, right? But as we make these statements, we take arrows, right? And yeah. I take them personally, mm-hmm. you know, in the organization. DEI is one of the hardest leaders because you're constantly telling your boss and your boss's boss how they can be better, mm-hmm. right? And then also asking them for a raise later. That's, that <laughs> just doesn't match. So, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, find your people, find your support system and don't let them go. Because those support systems in those moments can be that safe place for you to say, wow, you know, I didn't expect to hear that feedback. Yeah. I didn't expect to hear that perspective. But also in that moment, listen for that perspective. Like, mm-hmm. what can you learn from it? How can we do it different the next time? Yeah. Because there's always going to be a next time. We're always going to be evolving. And yeah. we're always going to be looking out for that. So that you just prompted group. a great question I have. It's, it's awesome. like, we do this all the time. And I think actually we, I think you and I actually talked about one time on LinkedIn was, you know, we just have Women's History Month. We have Black History Month. You have gay, you know, you have Pride Month and the marketing. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> just every time I see it, it's it's so it's angry and comical at the same time. Some of these things. I mean, the the, the double bun uh, things. The what was the Juneteenth ice cream? I mean, you see these things. How do we get organizations to stop doing? that superficial stuff and really get into the core of things. Yeah. You know, I mean, other than, I mean, obviously we do it in our daily lives fighting it. How do we get everyone to start seeing that? I mean, this is just blows my mind that so many years after civil rights, so many years after gay rights movements and you still see, and I, I, I forgot to count how many times we've said it, but yeah, gay, we're getting gay. there. Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> um, the uh, good thing we're not in Florida. We'd probably be having our door busted down. Um, how do we get organizations to truly care about, these things, not just during history months, but all the time, but not take advantage of history months with this superficial that everyone can see is BS. I can't believe I didn't say bullshit. It's BS. Um, how do we get that change? Because that, that to me is just so counterproductive of everything folks like we do to fight this stuff. And then you just see a company come out with this marketing scheme and you're just like, wow. Yeah. So one thing is hold them accountable you know, as companies and, and the other piece of it, just like I said earlier, save space for grace when mm-hmm. they do screw up, you know, you want to give them that feedback yep. and then you also want to teach them yeah, from right. that moment. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the big old boycott, right? There are some things that I, I refuse to do. We won't go there, right? Based on past, but you know, in those moments, what did we learn and really holding people accountable to that? Yep. Um, it's such an interesting balance internally. You want people thinking, about different perspectives, diverse perspectives. And the person that brought, you know, those ideas forward, we don't know, did they represent that group or not? So that first idea and what was actually produced are probably two really far reaching things. So always remember that in marketing, like who came up with the idea? It might've been a pure good internal right. employee resource group idea that the company went somewhere yeah. else with. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, we shouldn't market off of, off of um, any of the groups. Unless we're marketing and giving it back, right? So yes. this is where all challenges. Yes, I love that. Intent yeah. versus impact. We right. talk a lot yeah. about that, right? Yep. And to your point, it was the marketing person, and, and uh, I know, I know this frustrates Nick and I because yep. I and I know it really frustrates Nick. Trust me. Yeah. But I understand where he's coming from, and I know part of. But he, we do realize that there's intent versus impact, right? And so, how do we? How do we neutralize our internal feelings about what we saw? And I'll just right. use the example. Oh my God, that company's never had a black person work for them ever. And now suddenly there's a billboard with a black face on it. Yeah. Um, and we know why they did it. Right. right. 
or we think we know why they did it. So that's part of that giving grace you're talking about, right? Yep. Let's let's. What is the intent? Was it deliberate? And you know, unfortunately, you know, we've experienced some of those deliberate situations where we know, and so you you get jaded by that. Yep. Um, but you got to wake up every day and and uh, you know brush it off and say I I, I got to keep fighting. So and and challenge because it challenge. Um, you know we all should look up at billboards and see ourselves yeah right and we want to see ourselves as that next leader whatever that leadership right. opportunity is right and so you know part of it is we've got to get some yeah. pictures out and we've got to show that that's part of our right. organizations but we have to do it authentically right yeah it's what happens behind the pictures right right it's it's the interactions and and yeah. we've. You know, we've got to work across cultures. Iowa right now, it used to be Iowa nice, right? I was so, I was Uh-oh. proud. I was, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I have a book ready to yeah, go yeah. on that. About. Awesome. Let's, yeah. let's co-author. I have a yeah. chapter or two for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were we ever really nice or just passive aggressive? Right? Uh-huh. Like the Southern, oh, ain't that sweet? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Bless your heart. That yeah. Bless of, your heart. Yeah. That concept. <laughs> but, but I think we can get back to the point where we listen more than we, yeah. we listen to each other and we see each other as, as humans. You know, when I moved to Iowa and I went through my process of coming out and actually realizing that there are gay people in Iowa, uh, what I also realized is my neighbors cared about me. And even though they were struggling, I have a really great story about a, a neighbor we moved in and she thought, wow, two lesbians are moving in. Oh, crud, what's going to happen to the neighborhood, Right. Well, lesbians have power of tools. Oh, right? my gosh. And we love to improve yeah. our properties. So she was actually thrilled. I mean, yeah. I, I give her that, though. She was in her 80s. It was, it's the best conversation. It's the best change I've ever seen in a neighbor. And this is where I say when people get to know us, right. they see us differently. But so, there's still that fear. And it's just like fear of what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> lesbians with power tools. But that's, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, what, another, yeah. what is the, yeah. yeah let's uh, <laughs> Legends the power tools. I love that. I love that. I, mean, I just remember I early in my Navy career down in Virginia, and you had the signs that, you know, dogs and sailors stay off the grass. Wow. Like, we drive the economy. <laughs> right. I mean, I remember pulling into, like, Lauderdale, and they complained, and the captain pulled everyone off back to the ship, and they're like, no, 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 we didn't mean that. It's like, yeah. you don't what are you afraid of? Here. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that interesting that we're is. afraid? Yeah. 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 Afraid of what? Yeah. What are you afraid of? I mean, that's a, what's a way to, that's a good way to end the show, isn't it? Yeah. What are you afraid of? Let's find that out. Face your fears, right? All yeah. right. Or like we say, like your neighbor, you know, yeah. talk to people from the other communities and learn about them and yeah. the power of proximity. Get more comfortable. The power of proximity. For yes. sure. For sure. Thank you so much well, thank for your you time. For thank you very yeah. much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. This is awesome. So, this yeah, is awesome. Was, so. yeah. All right. And we love it when our guests actually make it here instead of doing it all, all yes. live on video. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so we'll get some shout out that. to a big shout out to our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College, and our server sponsor, PG Cares. I uh, also want to give a thanks to our friends at Breaking Barriers, Community Savings Bank, uh, and Tyler Lincoln Barnes. We all appreciate your support. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up anytime at info at TopRankTalentSolutions.com. Soon. Soon. To be Top Rank Culture. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So special thanks to our listeners as well. We couldn't do this without you. So appreciate the time that our listeners put in. So like and share. Uh, enjoy the episode and, and enjoy many more. Hit us up on YouTube. Hit us up on LinkedIn. Hit us up everywhere. Anything else, Nick? Dad? No, this is awesome. You know, thank you for And, uh. You know, just keep keep plugging away keep and fighting. doing the great work you do. And well, thank you too. We're supporters, and yeah. what you're all doing. So. Yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah. Power in numbers. Let's, we won't forget that. Let's collaborate more. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Yep. Thanks. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino. Too few people willing to take that fall.